Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everyone? My name is Matt Savoka, and I'm a new NFL analyst and content creator over at Awesomeo.com. And I'm so excited to be bringing you the Fantasy Football Matchups column in written and in podcast form, as you're listening to now, over at Awesomeo for this 2020 season. This is actually my very first podcast recording for Awesomeo, so I just wanted to take two seconds and thank Alex Awesomeo Baker, Nolan, Sam, Nathan, and the rest of the Awesomeo crew for making me feel so welcome as we get rolling. Thank you again so much, guys. Uh, you can catch me every Thursday on YouTube with Dave Lofren on the Awesomeo channel. That's at 11 a.m. Eastern as we go over the weekly matchups. And you can always look for all the Awesomeo content on Twitter at Awesomeo underscore com and NFL content at Awesomeo NFL, all one word. And you can find me on Twitter at Draftaholic. Okay, guys, we're finally here. <laughs> I mean, I had my doubts, but, um, you know, hats off to the people behind the scenes and the athletes who are taking the steps health wise to get us to this point. We're at the games. I'm beyond excited for football, and there are just a ton of great games on this slate. Uh, before I read my matchups column to you all, the word I want to give you for this week is imagination. Now, as someone who does uh, data analytics and data science for a living, that might seem a little counterintuitive, and not that it doesn't take imagination to win any DFS contest normally, but with the wackiest NFL season ever and no preseason games, I think the people who take a guess on week one correctly in terms of game scripts and DFS plays are going to be people who are, are, sure, aware of incorporating the stats that are important, but stats that are sticky, the ones that we know are relatively similar from year to year, like targets per game, target share, air yard share, and average depth, excuse me, average depth of target. But from there, they get really imaginative, and they think of the game scripts and the just the way that the matchups could go in a way that not a lot of other people do. Uh, there's so many reasons to believe that the public is as naive as they've ever been going into this week. No preseason games. So let's get creative. Let's get imaginative. Let's get weird. Let's get into it. Okay, Dolphins at Patriots. Dolphins have 18.5 imp- 18. implied points and the Patriots 24.5 as of this recording. It's the beginning of a new era in Foxborough as Cam Newton steps into the driver's seat of an offense that, on first glance, seems light on playmakers. It would be utterly shocking if Bill Belichick, alongside offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels, didn't tailor a brand new offense around Newton and his strengths. 
That means more QB rushes than we've seen in a long, long time in New England. Julian Edelman, the constant drumbeat of Tom Brady's passing attack, will absolutely still get his looks, but don't expect the consistency of previous seasons. And it's possible the Dolphins, with the strength in their secondary, may prioritize limiting Edelman and force Cam and company to beat them another way. And honestly, that's rightfully so. The depth behind Edelman is a massive question mark. I mean, Mohamed Sanu was traded to the Patriots at the deadline from Atlanta uh, last season, commanded seven targets in a game twice while a Patriot, and then was cut uh, as a cut casualty right before the season began. It looks like Dramir Bird is going to take his place as a starting wide receiver, but it's really up to second-year wide receiver Nikhil Harry, who was the subject of both glowing and glaring recent training camp reports all of which is to say he'll be instantly forgiven if he produces on Sunday. The bottom line is somebody other than Edelman needs to step up in this offense, and on first glance, it's tough to see who that's going to be. The New England backfield should once again be a major source of offensive production, but might be one of the toughest skill positions uh, group-wise to predict week to week. I mean, obviously, if I could predict what Bill Belichick would do with his backfield each week, I'd probably be coaching, but I digress. The most likely scenario is 7 to 10 opportunities for James White, mostly through the air, 7 to 12 opportunities for Sony Michelle, maybe pushing 15 uh, more carries, the most on the team for sure, and then Rex Burkhead is going to be the spellback for both White and Michelle. And then eventually Damian Harris is going to come in in week four and muddy this thing up even further. And all of that is without mentioning that Cam Newton is going to be the goal line back, in my opinion. I know his goal line carries were completely gone in 2019, but I think we're going to see a pre-injured Cam Newton level of goal line carries this year in New England, which is obviously limiting the ceiling for all of the other running backs in that backfield. For Miami, Ryan Fitzpatrick enters his age 38 season, ready to sling it until the wheels fall off. The Dolphins were fourth in team pass attempts in 2019, and this year really should be no different. Wide out Devontae Parker, who finally flashed his potential that made him a first-round pick last year, missed several practices in a row leading to week one. The Dolphins are saying he's fine, but we'll see if he's 100% on Sunday. Uh, with Jakeem Grant banged up as well, it looks like Preston Williams, who honestly appeared to be in the midst of a breakout season when he tore his ACL week nine, seems like the healthiest wideout on the team. I guess that's the truth. Uh, Williams averaged just under eight targets a game prior to his injury. And with rainy defensive player of the year, Stefan Gilmore, likely to begin the game guarding Parker if he's healthy, I think it's Williams who has the largest guaranteed role in the passing attack. Tight end Mike Gusecki, who averaged nearly six targets a game last season, should see a similar workload to begin the 2020 season as well. Uh, in the backfield, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida should split duties fairly evenly, with Breida, who uh, actually recorded one of the fastest single ball carrier speeds uh, at 22.3 miles per hour last season, operating on passing downs and any hurry-up or two-minute situations. So he has a little bit more upside there. And then beyond the aforementioned Gilmore, we need to take a look at the Patriots' defense this year. I think it's going to look completely different with massive turnover and free agency, a league-high number of opt-outs due to COVID-19, 
including two starters. So they'll be relying on youth and, of course, their coaching to make up for what appears, again, on paper to be a talent drain from just a year ago. Uh, particularly to that front seven. It just is going to look really different. If there's any coach equipped for that challenge, it's Belichick. But Fitzpatrick should still absolutely take his shots, making Williams, Parker, and Gusecki decent high upside options in fantasy football this week. Prediction, Patriots 27, Dolphins 21. Alternative scenario, Fitzpatrick hits on a few bombs early, making the Pats play catch up, but ultimately the Patriots prevail with a stellar second half. Patriots 33, Dolphins 30. Bears at Lions. Bears are implied for 20.25 points, and the Lions implied for 23.25. The Lions' Matthew Stafford was having a masterfully efficient season before going down with a back injury midseason. He was number two in adjusted yards per attempt, good for fourth in the NFL, and QB4, oh, excuse me, second in the NFL, and he was QB4 in fantasy leagues at the time of his injury. The season derailed for Detroit once Stafford was shelved, but the passing game should spring right back to life with him back at the helm. Though Chicago's defense still possesses superstar Khalil Mack and a litany of quality players behind him like Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith that fueled their 2018 playoff run, the secondary is just not the same as it was two seasons ago. Already shorthanded at quarterback, cornerback, The loss of Artie Burns to season-ending IR is a major blow, particularly against the Lions, whose passing attack is predicated on taking shots to 1A and 1B options Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. Both have averaged over seven targets per game over the last two seasons, and even more appetizing for fantasy football, Galladay led the league in targets of at least 20 air yards per game with 2.9 last season. And he was second in the league in targets inside the opponent's five-yard line. Talk about upside. Danny Amendola should maintain his underneath role. He had 6.4 targets per game in 2019, but that includes the sample with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll. And he'll keep his role for now uh, in week one, but look for fifth-round receiver Quintus Cephas, who I was actually looking on Twitter and I saw that Jeff Okuda, the the early round draft pick said that Quintus Cephas was the toughest receiver he he guarded in his time at college. He's going to push for targets eventually, in my opinion. Now, let's not forget last year's first round pick, tight end TJ Hawkinson. He says he's still recovering from last season's injuries, that he's not, he's not quite 100%, but the Lions would be crazy not to utilize him especially in the red zone. I really expect four to seven targets for Hawkinson right off the bat in week one. For the backfield of Detroit, yes, they have the depth-related signing of Adrian Peterson. It was hyped in the media after he was dropped by Washington. But I, I really think the most important new wrinkle for the Lions is the addition of DeAndre Swift, the former Georgia running back, a premier athlete with elite size and speed. Swift missed over a week's worth of practices, though, due to leg issues. But even when compared to the high hopes of Carrion Johnson, who they drafted in the second round of 2018, who, by the way, is still wearing a leg brace, uh, the Lions just have not had a running back who can do what Swift can do, both as a rusher and as a receiver, in a long, long time. If he's healthy and can keep Stafford upright in blitz packages, that's important. He's the football equivalent of, of a sports car, is what I wrote, and the Lions won't wait too long to take him for a spin. 
Johnson might be the starter for now, and it might be the dreaded running back timeshare or by committee to open up the season, but Swift absolutely has the talent to take over the backfield in year one, and in my opinion, years to come. In Chicago, the team announced that Mitchell 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 Trubisky is the starter, meaning that Nick Foles, who they completely overpaid for, in my opinion, will be riding the pine to start the season. We'd have to imagine that this is the shortest lease for any quarterback in some time. It, it just, it, any wrong move, and Nick Foles is coming into this game. Trubisky has had some DFS upside as a low-owned scrambler. He's got 3.2 carries per game in his career, but you're ludicrous if you're planning on starting him in fantasy, as one bad drive could lead to his permanent benching. Star receiver Allen Robinson continually trapped in quarterback purgatory, both in Chicago and back in Jacksonville, should command his customary 7-10 to 10 looks. The quality of those looks is anybody's guess. And Anthony Miller will be involved at the second wideout position. Many are picking him as a breakout candidate. I just don't see the Bears ever propping up a second receiver. But also don't forget about Jimmy Graham. Uh, there, there are some reports coming out of Bears camp that Basically, the Packers got their evaluation of Graham wrong. He's not washed and that they've found great uses for it for him. Um, I'll believe it when I see it, but uh, he absolutely could be a great catch and fall down receiver in the end zone and maybe a quarterback's best friend in those short area targets. The starting running back for the Bears, David Montgomery, is absolutely expected to miss this week with a groin strain, but looks like he's going to miss less time than originally expected. But that means for week one, the five foot six, 179 pound Tariq Cohen should get the starter reps, spelled by Ryan Nall and rookie Artavis Pierce. Uh, Cohen never really had more than nine carries in a game last year, but I think he's I think he's a lock for that as well as his typical passing game work which was six and a half targets per game in 2019. The Lions did invest a ton in defense in free agency this year, bringing in former Patriots Jamie Collins and Danny Shelton and spending their first round and third round picks on a corner in Jeff Okuda and edge Julian Okwara. It shouldn't be surprising if we're mentioning the Lions as one of the up-and-coming defenses in the NFL in a few weeks in 2020, but also it could take some time for this team to gel, leaving some holes for the Chicago Bears' anemic offense. My prediction, Lions 31, Bears 14. Alternative scenario, the Bears' defense keeps them in the game, pressuring Stafford and forcing multiple mistakes. Bears 17, Lions 14 in an upset. Seahawks at Falcons. Seahawks have 25.25 implied points. Falcons 23.75. Seahawks favored on the road. The Seahawks travel cross-country to the Falcons in Week 1, who are still coached by former Seattle defensive coordinator Dan Quinn. Quinn's firing from Atlanta seemed all but certain after a disastrous 1-7 start in 2019, but the players rallied behind Quinn, ripping off a 6-2 record to close the season including wins against NFC juggernauts New Orleans and San Francisco. Part of the team's resurgence was an improved defense, who gave up more than 26 points on only one occasion over the final eight games of the season. Meanwhile, the Seahawks' offense scored at least 27 points on 10 occasions last year, going 9-1 in those games. If the Falcons want a chance to compete Sunday, they very likely will need to hold the Seahawks below that 27-point threshold. 
Led by six-time Pro Bowler Russell Wilson, the Seattle front office has assembled arguably the most talented receiving core Wilson's ever possessed. Wilson and Tyler Lockett, 6.9 targets per game and 23% of the team's weighted opportunity last season, have a near telepathic connection on the field. Passes to Lockett last season had an average passer rating of 124.7, number five in the NFL, and the touchdown upside is immense as the 5'10", 182-pound Lockett remains a favorite of Wilson's near the goal line. Last year, he nabbed 17 red zone receptions, second only to New Orleans' Michael Thomas. Across from Lockett stands DK Metcalf, also over six targets a game, also over 20% of the team's weighted opportunity. At 6'3", 228 pounds, Metcalf succeeded against NFL defenses even though they likely knew exactly what was coming. Metcalf played nearly two-thirds of his snaps from the left receiver position and ran one of either two routes, the slant or the go, on half of his 2019 routes. That's according to Reception Perception. Wilson clearly trusts him on high-leverage plays, though, throwing Metcalf over one-and-a-half targets of 20 or more air yards a game. And he's also not swayed by tight coverage, as Metcalf came down with 48% of his contested catches in 2019, number 14 in the NFL. The efficiency of Wilson plus the playmaking ability of his two receiver options have led the Seahawks and their fans, particularly in the analytics community, clamoring to, quote, let Russ cook, a plea to coach Pete Carroll and offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer to install an offensive scheme that lets Wilson drop back an above-average clip in all quarters, not just the fourth quarter. If the reins of an aggressive, pass-happy offense, say, the Atlanta offense, were handed to Wilson, there's no doubt that number one overall fantasy quarterback and league MVP are in the range of outcomes. Regardless of whether or not this is the year that the run-pass ratio alters drastically for the Seahawks, Chris Carson will serve as the lead back for an offense that was third in run plays per game a season ago. It's very likely he will even earn... 20 carries 15 is a lock pretty much but don't be surprised if he spelled more than often than last or more often than last year at least by free agent acquisition carlos hyde and we might see some work from 2024th round receiving back specialist dj dallas the falcons offense likely forced to keep pace with a notoriously efficient Seattle offensive attack, will lean on all-pro Julio Jones, the wide receiver. Jones could easily be the highest-targeted receiver in the NFL this season, and superb talent Calvin Ridley could join him as the primary engines of a pass-happy offensive scheme. The Falcons led the NFL in pass plays per game last year with 45.9. It was Ridley in particular who stepped up after the trading of Mohamed Sanu to New England at the trade deadline last year, seeing his t- with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Targets increased by nearly two per game. Hayden Hurst replaces Austin Hooper theoretically one-for-one as the pass-catching tight end and clear-cut number three option in this offense. Hurst, who split time a year ago with two other, quote, starting tight ends and a fullback in Baltimore, projects now as a full-time player, and his targets could skyrocket way past the 2.5 per game average he had in 2019, leveling out much closer to Hooper's average of 7.5. Expect at least five targets for Hurst on Sunday, with a ceiling of 8-10 to 10 if game script favors passes or defenses try to shut out Ridley and Jones. The Falcons brought in Todd Gurley to replace Devonta Freeman as their primary ball carrier. Gurley, only a year removed from being the number one running back in fantasy football, fell off the proverbial cliff from an efficiency standpoint in 2019. He went from number 10 to number 22, innovative tackles, and number 10 to number 48 in yards per touch. Though, this, though his fantasy value was ultimately buoyed by earning the third most red zone touches of any back last year, he was number one in 2018, he saw his passing game work shrivel last season as the target average dropped precipitously from 5.8 to 3.3. In Atlanta, his red zone touches are mu- much less of a given. Uh, Devonta Freeman was 25th in red zone touches in 2019, but the receiving work should have a chance to make a comeback. Last year, Freeman never saw fewer than three targets in a game, and he had games of eight, nine, and 11 targets. As long as Gurley is relatively healthy, he should be a lock for 15 touches, including four to six targets every single week. And if the Falcons are playing from behind in the second half, expect a few extra dump-offs from Ryan to Gurley, just boosting that PPR value as well. Seattle did not have a formidable pass rush last season, even with Jadavian Clowney, who they let go. They were dead last in Football Outsiders pressure rate at 24%. And I'm wondering if the acquisition of top safety Jamal Adams, which obviously helps the secondary, is also going to help that as well. I think Adams is one of those players who just drastically changes the the ability of an entire defense. With him on the field, I think the Seattle D looks different this season. My prediction, Seahawks 28, Falcons 27. Alternative, the first half Falcons show up. Those one in seven Falcons. Wilson Cooks and Roots of four passing touchdowns. Seahawks 42, Falcons 27. Eagles at Washington. At the time of this recording, the Eagles are implied for 24.5 points, and Washington is implied for 18.5. The NFC East champion Eagles come into week one with plenty of banged up players and the Cowboys breathing down their neck as they begin their quest for a repeat division title. Despite being banged up, Philadelphia is one of the deepest rosters in the NFL, and it remains quite formidable at nearly every position, even as they're forced to begin the season at far less than 100% at key roster spots. The offensive line injuries will be the toughest to overcome. Uh, The two starters are already out for the year with Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks, leading to the team's re-signing of 38-year-old lineman Jason Peters. And just recently, this week, head coach Doug Peterson announced that Peters... Uh, originally slated for left guard, is moving back to left tackle, but that's still leaving a hole at guard to be filled by uh, inexperienced players like Matt Pryor, Jack Driscoll, Jordan Mailata. Somebody needs to step up on the interior of that line. 
And then the battery's also banged up for Philly. Uh, Carson Wentz apparently practiced in full today, but he's been out with a low-grade hamstring injury. And Miles Sanders, who was talked up by Deuce Staley, the running backs coach, uh, as a bell cow back earlier this offseason, he's basically been placed in bubble wrap since August 19th with a leg injury uh, that sidelined him for, uh, I guess, the last few weeks. The Eagles have stated all along that Sanders and Wentz would be ready to go for week one, but the true litmus test, of course, is when they get on the field and start taking hits on Sunday. Uh, Regardless of whether Sanders is fully healthy, expect 2019 surprise contributor Boston Scott, uh, UDFA, who averaged 87.5 total yards per game over the final four weeks of the 2019 season, to have a role carved out for him by Peterson this season. Uh, Also contributing in the backfield, we're going to have Corey Clement. He returns to round out the backfield, and he should lag well behind the others in terms of usage this week. Zach Ertz is expected to remain the lifeline in the passing game as he led the entire tight end position at targets per game with just under nine a season ago. So while continuing to rely on Ertz underneath, Wentz should be thrilled to get Deshaun back. Deshaun Baxson, Deshaun Jackson back after an injury plague 2019. In week one against Washington a year ago, which was really his only healthy game, Jackson torched Washington for eight, 154, and two. And as long as Jackson's on the field, expect at least four deep shots, uh, maybe even more from Carson Wentz to Jackson. I think he's one of the top plays on the slate. Uh, first round pick Jalen Rager, bothered by a uh, labrum injury, is out this week, and so is Alshon Jeffrey. So the Eagles will round out their passing game with J.J. Ortega Whiteside and slot specialist Greg Ward, who quietly drew seven or more targets in four of Philadelphia's final six games. Now, for Washington, they come into the season looking to build upon Dwayne Haskins' up and down rookie campaign. Uh, Though he's definitely the entrenched starter, it's still anybody's guess if Haskins is a franchise-caliber quarterback. The uncertainty around Haskins' projection trickles down to nearly every skill player on the Washington offense. Terry McLaurin exploded onto the scene with spectacular Week 1 performance last season en route to one of the most exciting rookie campaigns in recent years. But the elephant in the room remains. Can Haskins get him the ball? Once Haskins took over as the starter Week 9, McLaurin only saw seven targets three times with only one game inside the PBR top 24 at the position. And that was five catches for 130 yards and a touchdown against the Eagles. It's hard to see anyone but McLaurin emerging as a fantasy viable option for this passing offense in Washington. Uh, But two names to keep an eye on Steven Sims, who saw seven, 11, 10 and eight targets in the final four games of Washington season last year and the presumptive tight end starter Logan Thomas. The Eagles' additions of Pro Bowl cornerback Darius Slay and Nicole Roby-Coven should sure up the Eagles' secondary and again put the Washington passing game at an even further disadvantage. Uh, while predicting turnovers is a fool's errand, usually no one should be surprised if Haskins is the one with the most picks, two, three, maybe even more, on Sunday. The Washington backfield has as many questions as the passing game now, with Darius Geis bounce from the league and Adrian Peterson now a Detroit Lion after being a cut day casualty. The 10 to 15 touch range is definitely uh, in the possibility of outcomes for Antonio Gibson, their third round pick. And 
I think Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick, who I saw today, was listed as the first running back on the social media depth chart that I'm certainly fading. Uh, They'll all be involved. They'll certainly get run in this muddy backfield with limited upside. I think if you're going to play anyone, it's probably Gibson, just because he seems like the most uh, potential for a home run or a touchdown or two touchdown game. My prediction is Eagles 27, Washington 14, and then an alternative scenario just to get your mind thinking about ways this game could go. The Eagles are healthier and more explosive than we expect, putting their foot on the gas and never looking back. Eagles 42, Washington 14. Packers at Vikings. Packers have 21.75 implied points, and the Vikings are favored at 24.25 implied points. The Packers just one win away from the Super Bowl a year ago, enter week one as a road underdog against bitter rival Minnesota. Having shown a more balanced approach than previous Aaron Rodgers-led offense, they were number 15 in team pass plays per game in 2019, that led to Aaron Jones' emergence as a touchdown machine with 19 first in the NFL. But make no mistake, this offense is still centered around the play of Rodgers, who buoyed his middle-of-the-road pass attempt numbers with a swath of deep shots, just under six per game, second in the NFL. He'll be targeting Devontae Adams early and often, 10.5 targets per game last year, almost 31% of the team's weighted opportunity last year. Behind Adams, the pecking order is still completely up for grabs. Rodgers recently touted Marquez Valdez-Scantling, which has some speculating that Valdez-Scantling is ready to make the leap from part-time player to weekly contributor, but he'll also be competing with Alan Lazard and Robert Tanyan, the tight end. It really is anybody's guess behind Devontae Adams in this passing game. Betting on a number two receiver is nothing I'm able to do until I see it, really. It's not unreasonable to expect 15 to 20 passes distributed just to Adams and Aaron Jones. In the backfield behind Jones, You'll see Jamal Williams spelling him first, but even though he's listed as a third-string running back, I'm sure we're going to see A.J. Dillon at least for one to two carries early on, and then he'll eventually be worked in later in the season. Even with a vaunted pass rush that just added the Jaguars' Yannick Ngakwe, it was the Vikings' secondary that was actually exploitable last season, as Xavier Rhodes, now a cult as I mentioned earlier, was much more beatable than his Pro Bowl reputation would suggest, and the same may hold this true this year for this team. They'll be relying on a collection of young talent, first-rounder Jeff Gladney, former first-rounder Mike Hughes, 2023rd-rounder Cam Dantzler, and UDFA-turned-possible starting corner Holton Hill. They're the ones trying to stop Rodgers and company. It doesn't necessarily inspire optimism for Vikings fans, but it's absolutely possible. This will be Minnesota's first game without Stephon Diggs as a member of the offense after he was unceremoniously shipped to Buffalo this offseason for picks. That means 30-year-old Adam Thielen enters this season as the unquestioned alpha receiver for the Vikings after a banged-up 2019. Somewhere between 8 and 10 targets is the reasonable expectation for Thielen, though we may see the Packers secondary hone in on Thielen, forcing quarterback Kirk Cousins to look elsewhere And behind Thielen, it appears that 2019 7th rounder B.C. Johnson will get the nod at the second wide receiver position, 
but I think it's going to be tight ends Kyle Rudolph and second-year talent Irv Smith contributing heavily in the passing game. We'll see if Justin Jefferson, their first-round wide receiver, who played almost 100% of his snaps in the slot at LSU, can contribute early on in the passing game. And all of this is without mentioning the player that the Vikings really want to play through, and that's running back Dalvin Cook. He's still seeking his monster money, and he's claiming he's focused on the year ahead, yada, yada, yada. Cook is primed for a repeat of 2019 and is the unquestioned star of Gary Kubiak's system, which former offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski ran, so there shouldn't be any hiccups in the change of OC this year. He will once again be put in a position to be the RB1 overall each week, unless Christian McCaffrey has something to say about it. Look for the team to build off of Cook and generate play-action, high-percentage passes. Uh, Cousins was actually great on play-action, number four in play-action completion percentage, play-action completion percentage a year ago, and that'll keep the vaunted Packers pass for us, who was number four in pressure rate, off balance. But still, he's got to deal with stud corner Jari Alexander in a very strong Packers secondary. My prediction, Packers 21, Vikings 17. Alternative scenario, Rodgers and Cousins get into an early season shootout. In case you haven't noticed, I think a lot of these teams might get into a shootout or might hit the over in these games in week one. Both teams refuse to back down. Vikings 37, Packers 34 in overtime. Colts at Jaguars. Colts have 26.5 implied points, Jaguars 18.75. The Jaguars enter the season with the lowest Vegas expected wins at 4.5 and even lower public expectations, especially after dramatically cutting former top five pick Leonard Fournette on August 31st. While it sends a clear message that the Jaguars are slamming the door shut on the Tom Coughlin era, it also guarantees a drastically different offensive identity in Jacksonville in 2020. Despite much of the NFL landscape presuming the Jaguars must be tanking, Minshew had a very respectable rookie season, leading the Jaguars to a score on 39% of his drives in 2019, in lockstep with 2019 number one overall pick Kyler Murray. He looked like a starting caliber quarterback who can keep his team in games, and his ability to play off script and scramble effectively if needed is still highly underrated. He was actually number five among quarterbacks in carries per game a season ago. An argument can be made that Minshew was actually stymied by an extremely conservative offensive scheme, which heavily featured Fournette in the receiving game to disastrous results. It's highly likely that we see a new, more aggressive approach under new offensive coordinator Jay Gruden, and that could actually boost Minshew's production in year two. Whether he's able to be efficient in that kind of scheme, time will tell. Don't be surprised if second-round pick LaVishka Chenault Jr. has an immediate role in both the passing game and possibly out of the backfield. If there's anyone who could be this year's A.J. Brown, it's Chenault, who profiles as a high BMI slot receiver with stellar after-the-catch ability. Expect six to eight opportunities for Chenault right off the bat, but even more for fellow receiver DJ Chark. Chark is looking to build upon a breakout 2019 campaign where he was top 20 in the NFL in targets, receptions, and touchdowns. Rounding out the passing game, could we actually witness a reemergence for Tyler Eifert? With prospect Josh Oliver lost for the year, Eifert will get his shot to contribute, likely deployed as a red zone weapon, although D.D. Westbrook is looking like he'll play, and Keelan Cole should contribute. 
In the secondary, the Colts lost playmaker Pierre Desir and are hoping to replace him with Xavier Rhodes. He was a former pro bowler with the Vikings, but Rhodes was actually a liability for Minnesota last year, allowing a 76% catch rate and a passer rating when targeted north of 132. Minshew needs to pick his spots, but the Colts' defense, even with the big-time addition of playmaking defensive tackle to Forrest Buckner, are by no means a lock to shut down the Jaguars' passing attack. Philip Rivers' first game as a Colt appears to be a winnable one. A year ago, Rivers threw the seventh most passes in the NFL with the 11th highest average depth of target. And in Indianapolis, expect those attempt numbers to stay high, but I actually think the target depth will decrease. Something similar to what we may have seen in the early weeks of when Andrew Luck was returning from shoulder surgery and just really didn't have the deep ball. Something along those lines. Uh... So I think we're going to see shorter, high-percentage looks to playmakers in space for the Colts' offense this year. So speaking of playmakers, the Colts have an abundance of them, and they're young, and we'll see them deployed this Sunday. T.Y. Hilton is the obvious veteran of the crew, and he projects to lead in targets once again. After averaging just under seven targets per game in eight starts last season, it's reasonable to expect that number to actually inch closer to Hilton's 2018 average of 86 With Rivers at the helm, you really can't rule out a 10-target game ever. If he just leans on one person, as he did for years with Keenan Allen, that could absolutely happen for Hilton. For Hilton, or behind Hilton, you're going to see looks for Zach Pascal, who had 5.5 targets a game, and then they're really looking for contributions from Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr., their 2019 and 2020 second-round picks. In the backfield, the split between entrenched starter Marlon Mack and second-round talent Jonathan Taylor is really anybody's guess, but both will absolutely receive work. This may be a true hot hand situation early on, however, which that just makes it notoriously difficult to predict in fantasy football, but you also have to add Naheem Hines, who's a receiving specialist, he's absolutely going to get work underneath and as a slot receiver. I think you can pencil him in for three to six opportunities as well. I think Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think another very area of interest behind that is Jack Doyle. And then looking at maybe Mo Alley Cox to contribute as well with Trey Burton, the tight end, going on IR. They're definitely going to be relying on Doyle and Alley Cox at the tight end position to be contributors, again, in that short passing game. My prediction, Colts 28, Jaguars 21. Alternative scenario, Minshew throws two touchdowns and runs for another in a week one upset. The mustache wins it, baby. Jaguars 28, Colts 27. Browns at Ravens. Browns 20.25 implied points. The Ravens 28.25. Despite it being their second straight NFC North title, the Ravens were the breakout team of 2020. Rolling over teams with their league-leading rushing attack in the NFL en route to a 14-2 record. Lamar Jackson with 80.9 rush yards per game and .4 rushing TDs per game. 
trounced the single-season rushing record for quarterbacks while simultaneously throwing touchdowns at an absurd 9% clip. That was number one in the NFL. Uh, He was just the runaway MVP last season, and that pun is very much intended. With a backfield that includes Mark Ingram at 84 total yards and .9 TDs per game, and premium spellbacks Gus Edwards and Justice Hill, factoring in Jackson, this is already the most lethal backfield in the NFL. Enter J.K. Dobbins. Baltimore's second-round pick who averaged more than 7 yards per touch as the full-time starter at Ohio State as a freshman. Ingram deserves to keep his role as starter on this veteran team. There's no doubt that the Ravens find use for Dobbins right away. And when it's Dobbins' time, (laughs) he's going to be a star. He's going to be a star in the system. In the passing game, tight end Mark Andrews, a part-time player in 2019, he only played 43.2% of snaps. It was just masterfully strategized into game plans a year ago, and he ended up the team's target leader. With the departure of Hayden Hurst, Andrews now projects to an every-down role, meaning he could easily build upon a 2019 season that saw him rank fifth among all tight ends in targets per game, first in deep targets, and first in total touchdowns. Marquise Hollywood Brown projects as the number one wide receiver in what is a low-volume pass attack. He dealt with a Liz Frank injury pretty much through all of 2019, but now he's healed, it's apparently bulked up, and there's a growing team sentiment that Brown moves well past his 3.3 reception per game pace a year ago and breaks out as a star wide receiver this season. Brown could easily command 6-9 to nine targets, especially if the Browns, Browns' offense keeps pace with the Ravens. The auxiliary weapons for Lamar Jackson will be something to monitor, though. The Ravens are looking for one of Willie Sneed, 2019 third-rounder Miles Boykin, or their their day three picks this year, Devin DuVernay or James Prochet, they need to establish themselves as full-time players. But in the meantime, they'll likely be rotated in situationally, and it should be noted that the fullback Pat Ricard and the tight end Nick Boyle, integral parts of the Ravens' overall offensive scheme, will play pe- plenty of fantasy-irrelevant snaps, regardless who wins that wide receiver two job that's up for grabs. The Browns' secondary will have their hands full, but they're an improving unit led by Denzel Ward, who had a 72.1 passer rating when targeted. That was number three in the NFL. And Greedy Williams, number uh, 29 in that same stat. So they have a chance to stop the, the Ravens, but you know it's all Lamar Jackson's ability on the ground and his ability to read defenses and hand it off in the option game that really makes the Ravens go. Freddie Kitchens was ousted after one season as coach in Cleveland, and in his place, the Browns replaced Kitchens with Kevin Stefanski, former offensive coordinator of the Vikings. Quarterback Baker Mayfield, on his third offensive scheme in three years, comes into 2020 with much of the same, if not better, personnel, but much less media hype than a season ago. Well, having the MVP in your division can do that. Vegas, unsurprisingly, has barely moved their win totals year over year, uh, just down 0.5 0.5 wins, 9 to 8.5, and indicating the team is likely to be a contender in 2020, as the public expected a season ago. It's probably a tougher out than the 8-point spread implies as well. Now, looking at their offseason moves, the Browns focused their offseason on improving their offensive line, signing Pro Bowler Jack Conklin from the Titans and drafting tackle Jedrick Wills in the first round. It really stands to reason that running backs Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who just got paid this week, arguably the best running back tandem in the NFL, 
they should have more and better opportunities to beat defenses on the ground. Speaking of that backfield tandem, the Browns' usage of Chubb and Hunt is one of the most exciting things to watch on Sunday. Frustrating for fantasy, but exciting to watch. Nick Chubb's usage really did fall off drastically in the last weeks of the season. Starting in week 14, after posting six straight weeks of 20-plus carries, Chubb never received more than 17 carries again, and only crested 20 total opportunities one time. Hunt, meanwhile, averaged 5.5 carries. That's nothing to write home about. But most importantly for fantasy, he had 5.5 targets per game. From a fantasy perspective, Chubb remains one of the great home run hitters and possibly the best pure runner in the game today. According to the Advanced Metrics of Player Profiler, he was number one in breakaway runs and number two in total evaded tackles. He's running behind an elite offensive line. He's coached by the same coach who just helped launch Dalvin Cook. In short, there are worse situations to bet on than Chubb's. However, his ceiling is undeniably capped by Hunt's built-in role in the receiving game and Hunt's ability and talent to vulture meaningful touches at any time. Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry on average commanded 16 total targets per game last season and had a target differential greater than five only twice in all of 2019. When you include air yards, Landry and Beckham were again nearly identical on average, commanding 27% and 29% of Cleveland's weighted opportunity, respectively. Ultimately, though, Landry out-targeted Beckham in 9 of 15 games last season. But Beckham, who apparently played hurt all last season, is more likely to command deep targets. He actually had two per game, number two in the NFL last season, and is therefore the preferred fantasy option by the smallest of margins. Tight end Austin Hooper, signed in free agency from Atlanta, will get his share of the offense as, as well, but he'll likely need a touchdown to hit pay dirt in fantasy football most weeks as the target hogs in Landry and Beckham soak up a majority of that work. My prediction, Baltimore 27, Cleveland 24 in a tough fight. Alternative scenario, Baker bests Baltimore's vaunted secondary and Chubb runs rampant in the second half. Cleveland shocks the Ravens 31-28. Jets at Bills. Jets, 16.5 implied points. In case you're scoring at home, that's not good. Bills, 23 implied points. The Jets and Bills are two franchises in two vastly different stages of development. The Vegas expected wins, 9 versus 6.5, and week one spread are only the tip of the iceberg. Buffalo, under coach Sean McDermott, has built an offense that's highly complementary to Josh Allen's skill set. Though Allen isn't the most accurate deep pass, deep passer, his 25% completion rating on passes 20 or more air yards downfield was 33rd in the NFL. He's flanked by three receivers who are notorious for creating separation. Cole Beasley underneath, John Brown deep, and Diggs, Stefan Diggs, well, all over the field. Stefan Diggs, the Bills' splash acquisition of the offseason, should see more than his 6.2 targets and 1.9 deep targets per game than he did in Minnesota. And Brown, who had 7.7 targets per game last season, should not see quite as many targets this season. His overall opportunity should decrease, but the quality of his targets could actually increase with digs across from him. He's going to be pulling number one wide receivers, leaving Smoke Brown, who's one of the fastest players on the field, able to get free. It should be noted Brown's best season came in 2015 playing across from a resurgent Larry Fitzgerald with Carson Palmer at the helm, 
And Brown is still capable of burning the Jets for a quick score, even if he's only projected in the four to six opportunity range, which leads to only a few catches. He'll have no problem operating as a primary receiver if the decision is made by a defense to take away Diggs as well as seen by his performance last year. If Allen can improve his accuracy as a deep passer, it's possible we'll soon be mentioning the trio of Allen, Brown, and Diggs among the very best passing game trios in the NFL. Second year back, Devin Singletary projects as the starter in the Buffalo backfield after the Bills let go of Frank Gore, now a Jet. Singletary turned a weekly average of 15 opportunities into a modest 80 total yards per game a season ago, and that was good for 28th among running backs. I would expect Singletary to be in on early downs, but to be spelled by Zach Moss on third downs and possibly at the goal line. Uh, Zach Moss is their 2023rd round pick. Uh, many have high hopes for him, and I think he's going to cap the upside of Singletary right away, despite Singletary's rather efficient 2019. The big problem for either back is really the goal line work, which is going to be taken away by Allen. He was the primary goal line back last year, second among quarterbacks in red zone carries overall. And so the touchdown ceiling is lower for both Singletary and Moss. The Jets, uh, the Jets, they answer 2020 talent deficient, full of drama and an injured core of receivers. 2020 second round pick Denzel Mims missed most of training camp with a hamstring strain, but luckily for the Jets, he says he's good to go. Chris Herndon was in and out of practice because of a chest problem, and Brashad Perryman is dealing with swelling in the same knee that debilitated his progress early in his career and eventually forced the Ravens to cut him. And that leaves 2019 target hog Jamison Crowder as the undisputed number one receiver in Sam Darnold's passing attack. The 5'8", 185 pound slot specialist should soak up at least 8 targets in this game and could easily push for 10 to 12 opportunities, depending on the flow of the game. It should be mentioned, though, that with the Jets so depleted at wideout, the Bills could honestly choose to blanket Crowder with pro bowler Tredavious White, who just got paid. In that scenario, I I think he shuts down Crowder. I think it's a quiet day for him in week one. Le'Veon Bell. Oh, Le'Veon Bell, who had anything but a quiet off-season, off-season, should still get a majority of the work out of the backfield. Well, I don't know how valuable that work's going to be. I mean, he's going to get the work in the receiving game to be viable in fantasy football, but uh, I think the role as a workhorse is seriously in jeopardy. I think Frank Gore is going to play more than anyone outside of Frank Gore or Adam Gase might want. It's a real possibility that the 37-year-old Gore gets the rare Jets goal line looks, which would just be terrible for Le'Veon Bell. The probability that Bell ever sees a bell cow workload, one in line with his days in Pittsburgh, seems to be shrinking ever more each week. With a low touchdown upside and less than a full workload, Bell is a full fade for this article's author. Prediction, Bills 31, Jets 21. Alternative scenario, Allen is accurate, Diggs and Brown get loose, it's a Bills bonanza, week one, Bills 42, Jets 14. Raiders at Panthers. Raiders have 24 implied points, Panthers 23, one of the closest matchups on the slate. 
both the Raiders and the Panthers enter the 2020 season riding a wave of optimism after disappointing 2019s. The Raiders are a completely different squad than the one John Gruden took over three seasons ago, besides Derek Carr. And the multi-year transformation was rounded out by first and third round wide receiver selections in the 2020 draft, Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. They should be immediately inserted inserted as contributing starters, with Hunter Renfro continuing to man the slot. 2019 breakout tight end star Darren Waller in a flex tight end position, and new acquisition Jason Witten playing the traditional inline tight end role. With additional weapons, Zay Jones, Nelson Aguilar, and Foster Moreau, the target distribution may vary week to week for this crew. But this is, without a doubt, the most talent Derek Carr has played with during his entire career. Josh Jacobs should remain entrenched as the early down running back, but specialist Jalen Richard, who got about three targets per game last season, should also see work out of the backfield, somewhat limiting Jacobs' receiving role. It looked for a moment that it would be muddied even further when Theo Riddick signed with about two weeks to go in the preseason, but... It looks like he was a, a final cut casualty and didn't make the final roster. So attempting to stop the Raiders are the equally retooled Panthers, who were just incredibly banged up at the end of last season. They spent all seven draft picks and a significant amount of capital and free agency on the defensive side of the ball. First round defensive tackle Derek Brown should make his presence felt in the interior early on. But it's the linebacker core, Sands retired All-Pro Luke Keekley, that has the most to prove early on. The young Carolina linebackers in secondary may struggle with the speed of Waller, who had the fastest time ball carrier speed among tight ends last season, and Ruggs, who just recorded the fastest 40-yard dash of any rookie receiver. Carr also threw 2.5 deep passes per game, which was number 25 in the NFL, he should take more chances with better receivers this year. Uh, even Brian Edwards is someone who's capable of getting open, and Carolina is a susceptible defense. I think you're going to see him take his shots, and we've seen in previous years him lean on receivers in the red zone, particularly I can think of Michael Crabtree having those massive touchdown seasons a few years ago. For Carolina, there's a new quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, and a new coach, Baylor's Matt Rule, and a new offensive coordinator, LSU's Joe Brady. However, there aren't high expectations for the team this season, with just 5.5 expected wins per Vegas, that's 30th in the NFL, and it's also indicated by their offering of their new coach a lengthy seven-year contract. This is a process, and the ownership understands that. Behind the scenes, this may be less of a tank in 2020 than many, be than many believe. Brady is off a fresh stint as the passing game coordinator of an LSU offense that set the NCAA completely aflame in 2019. And then prior to that, Brady was actually on Sean Payton's staff in New Orleans, where he built a strong rapport with backup quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Bridgewater was handpicked by this Panther staff to lead an offense that's locked and loaded with young skill position talent, and it could work in year one. The bottom line is it could work in year one. What is there left to say about the brilliance of Christian McCaffrey that hasn't been said? Uh, from a fantasy football perspective, we're basically in the midst of the new LT, the new Ladanian Tomlinson. He's the unquestioned RB1 overall and in the prime of his career. 
more than 25 touches just aren't out of the question any week. And honestly, it may be alarming for some to hear this, but if you incorporate the innovation of Joe Brady and the short area accuracy of Bridgewater, he was number two in player profilers uh, accuracy rating last season. You add that to the otherworldly, otherworldly workload of McCaffrey and his ceiling is actually higher this season than it was in the previous two. In the passing game, outside of McCaffrey, DJ Moore already commanded nine targets a game in the Panthers' mess of an offense last year with the likes of Kyle Allen passing the ball, and he figures to see at least that much opportunity to begin the year. Curtis Samuel, who suffered through an astounding 40 uncatchable passes, that's 37% of his targets, Uh, via player profiler, should see that number drastically improve with Bridgewater under center. And with the addition of former Jet Robbie Anderson, Samuel should run a more sophisticated route tree and in different places on the field than in 2019. He ran a deep go route on 26% of routes last season via Matt Harmon's reception perception, including he should get significantly more work in the slot or underneath and possibly in the running game as well. The Raiders added depth on defense in the front seven during free agency, signing Nick Kwiatowski, Demarius Randall, and Malik Collins to shore up their linebackers, secondary and defensive line, respectively, but they'll need to prove they're playing as a cohesive unit to stop the Panthers, who are sure to have more than a few tricks up their sleeves with Bridgewater and Brady on opening day. Prediction Panthers 28, Raiders 27. Alternative scenario, with a bevy of new pieces on offense yet to gel, the defenses mostly prevail in an ugly slugfest. Raiders 21, Panthers 13. Okay, moving on to the 4 o'clock games. The Chargers at the Bengals. The Chargers are favored with an implied total of 23.5, and the Bengals have an implied total of 20.5. With the departure of longtime quarterback Philip Rivers, L.A. Chargers coach Anthony Lynn reunites with quarterback Tyrod Taylor at the helm, with first-round pick Justin Herbert waiting in the wings, of course. The tandem of Lynn and Taylor spent the better part of two seasons in Buffalo. Lynn took over in week three of Taylor's second season as starter, manning a conservative run-first scheme. From 2015 to 2017, the years in which Taylor was the Bills' starting quarterback, then never ranked lower than fourth in team rush attempts, and were first in team rush yards for two out of the three seasons. Now, they may not have the same appeal as Lamar Jackson's rush-happy Ravens, but Taylor and Lynn's Chargers are likely to produce yards on the ground at a better-than-league-average clip. LaShawn McCoy enjoyed some of the most productive years of his career during the same time period, averaging over 99 total yards and .63 TDs per game, earning three straight trips to the Pro Bowl in his time in Buffalo. Taylor himself was solid on the ground, averaging 36 yards on six rushes during the three-year span. This would indicate a solid floor for Taylor due to his rushing and a solid median and high ceiling projection for starting running back Austin Eckler, as Taylor should continue to rely on him as an essential part of the passing game, and though Rivers targeted running backs at an absurd 32% of passes in 2019, Taylor did target running backs at a fine 26% in 2017. Taylor's mobility should be particularly effective against Cincinnati and their defense that finished bottom five in rushing DVOA via football outsiders a season ago. Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Kyler Murray, rushing quarterbacks, if you've ever heard of them, have averaged 12 
fantasy points on the ground alone. On the ground alone in 2019 in five games against the Bengals last year. Though we should expect improvement on defense for the Bengals after the acquisitions of Vaughn Bell, Josh Bynes, and DJ Reader to stir up their secondary, linebacking core, and defensive interior, respectively, expect scrambles and design QB rushes to be highly utilized by Lynn, Taylor, and company. Now, Sunday marks the NFL debut for the 2020 number one overall pick, QB Joe Burrow, who really does have a bevy of high-quality skill players at his disposal. It's going to be exciting to see how Coach Zach Taylor and OC Brian Callahan deploy their skill players in this revamped and reinvigorated Bengals pass attack. Former Pro Bowler wide receiver A.J. Green is slated to return to the field after missing all of last season with foot and leg issues, and though he's missed significant practice time lately and, and a ton of time on the field playing in only 54% of the Bengals' games the last four seasons. Though, when Green does play, he's been nothing short of spectacular, averaging over 70 receiving yards and .6 TDs on nearly nine targets per game since 2017. In Green's absence, Tyler Boyd solidified himself as the team's target magnet with 9.2 per game in 2019, but he really lacked the touchdown upside in Cincinnati's inefficient 2019 scheme. Uh, This really has a chance to change this season, as the Bengals project to have significantly more red zone trips if Joe Burrow has anything to say about it, even though Burrow is likely to experience the typical ups and downs of a quarterback's rookie year. Contested catch catch specialist, he was number 20 in the NFL, Auden Tate, speedster John Ross, and 33rd overall pick T. Higgins round out an exciting group of auxiliary weapons for Burrow. Uh, so you should expect plenty of three and four wide sets for the Bengals and pass, pass routes for the running backs. That includes Giovanni Bernard, as Cincinnati adopts portions of the LSU offense that allowed Joe Burrow to shine. Greater than 27 points, even in a losing effort, is going to be in this team's range of outcomes each week, though a matchup with a pace-controlling Chargers may not be the game we see that occur. The cornerbacks of the Chargers are just so strong with Hayward and with Chris Harris, so... Joe Mixon, fresh off a $48 million deal that keeps him in a Bengals uniform for the next half decade, is going to be the unquestioned workhorse and is going to be needed in this tough game for the Bengals. O.C. Brian Callahan referred to Mixon as a volume carrier this preseason, indicating the team has a predefined amount of touches and they want him to get going so that he has a certain amount by the time they reach the fourth quarter. Giovanni Bernard will continue to operate as a spellback, but has a realistic ceiling of 10 touches, even in the most negative game scripts. Mixon's a lock for 18 touches and four targets for himself, so he's a rock-solid RB1 in fantasy football. Prediction, Chargers 27, Bengals 23. Alternative scenario, the defenses dominate this game, and both quarterbacks struggle in a slow-paced slog. Chargers 20, Bengals 17. Buccaneers at Saints. Buccaneers at the time of this recording are implied for 23 points, and the Saints are 26.5. The Buccaneers and Saints square off in arguably the premier matchup of the main slate. With a high over-under at 49.5 and plenty of stars on both offenses, we can expect some very high viewership and increased DFS ownership for this highly anticipated game. No team enters the 2020 season with more lofty expectations than the Buccaneers, who are going all-in on this season in an unprecedented way. Such plans tend to accelerate when Brady and unretired Rob Gronkowski choose a team as their preferred post-New England destination. 
with quarterback whisperer Bruce Arians helming the offense, two of the best receivers in the NFL today out wide, and a terrifying young defense expertly coached by Todd Bowles. There's no reason this team can't be as good as the public and Vegas expect them to be, with 9.5 expected wins. Chris Godwin emerged as a star in 2019, ranking second in receiving yards per game and fantasy points per game, all on 5% less of the team's weighted opportunity than Mike Evans. Evans, himself the wide receiver five last season, and Godwin were both major beneficiaries of Jameis Winston's high-volume, low-efficiency offense. Winston threw for nearly 950 more air yards than any other quarterback on a league-high 39.1 pass attempts per game a year ago. While we should expect Brady to push the ball downfield to both playmakers and to be more efficient than Winston, it's difficult to see either player repeating their per-game volume in terms of targets or air yards as last season. An update here that Mike Evans is dealing with a hamstring injury and may be questionable for the game. If he can't go, we should still expect a target boost for Godwin in the slot. The Bucks' three tight ends will also command plenty of targets, particularly closer to the goal line. Gronkowski was quite inefficient as a Patriot in 2018, with only 1.91 yards per route run, and giving Brady a rating of 98.3 when targeted, 55th and 23rd, respectively. Still, he's likely a single deep ball or touchdown away from viability in fantasy football. How the tight end snaps are divvied up will be something to monitor, as Gronkowski will certainly see time to both O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait, who each commanded 9% of the Bucks' weighted opportunity a year ago. The early September signing of Leonard Fournette after a surprise cut in Jacksonville makes projecting this backfield very difficult, particularly in Week 1. It's reasonable to believe that Fournette, despite his tarnished reputation, still possesses elite athleticism with the 96th percentile weighted adjusted 40-yard dash for a 240-yard, 240-pound back. He'll immediately push Ronald Jones, the presumptive starter until this week, for touches. LaShawn McCoy will see four to eight touches, likely as a passing down back, again, taking away volume from those receivers. And this is just one of the murkiest backfield situations in football heading into week one. But with massive touchdown upside, it's possible one, most likely Fournette, will emerge with enough volume to be an every week starter in fantasy football. The Saints themselves, no strangers to expectations, are projected for actually half a win more than their week one opponent, the Bucks, and are favored by 3.5 at home on Sunday. Breeze, at age 41, is the younger of the quarterbacks in the matchup, but at times last season he began to show signs of a diminished arm. Despite his typical pinpoint accuracy, he was 79.6 in player profiler's true completion percentage, that's good enough for top among quarterbacks, Breeze ranked 30th in passes of 20 or more air yards down the field, with only three per game. And there's now a fear he'll be taken off the field in goal line situations for Taysom Hill. He'll likely remain focused on short area passes to superstars Michael Thomas, number one in nearly every statistical category for receivers a year ago, and running back Alvin Kamara, who made headlines twice in the past few weeks, once after contract negotiations got ugly for a moment, and again when it was reported that he received an epidural shot in his back. Though he's practicing in full ahead of week one, and should be projected for a normal workload both as a rusher and receiver, preseason injuries are always absolutely worth monitoring when it comes to workhorse backs. Latavius Murray, now 30 years old, is still projected to serve as the primary backup to Kamara. Murray himself had two games as a top five back in Kamara's stead during 2019, but expect the Saints to carve out a role for hybrid back Ty Montgomery this season. Tampa Bay's defense will likely be up for the challenge, however, 
a top six defensive unit in 2019 via Football Outsiders DVOA, and seventh in defensive pressure rate. Tampa's front seven will need to disrupt Breeze's timing-based attack, and their secondary must limit Thomas in order for the Bucks to have a chance at victory. The Saints will also need contributions from receivers not named Thomas in order to be their most effective. Jared Cook was a touchdown machine last year and is the most obvious third option for Breeze, but don't forget about Traquan Smith. The 2018 third-rounder has the requisite athleticism to take the top off of defenses, and if the Bucks hone in on Thomas, Kamara, and Cook, Smith could easily surprise with a splash game in Week 1 and a big fantasy football score. Prediction? Bucks 33, Saints 30. Alternative scenario. There's no stopping either team. Arians and Sean Payton completely outduel their defensive counterparts. Breeze and Brady are both unconscious. Saints 48, Bucks 45 in overtime. Cardinals at 49ers. The Vegas prediction is 49ers 27, Cardinals 20 via implied points. Arizona finished 2019 at an abysmal 2-7, and yet Vegas has an extremely rosy outlook for the Cardinals in 2020. Their projected win total is up to 7.5. They only won five games in 2019, likely due to a presumed second-year leap for 2019 Rookie of the Year Kyler Murray and the addition of DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans, who just got paid this week as the highest-paid highest receiver in the NFL. Hopkins hasn't been able to produce on a consistent basis this offseason because of hamstring issues, and while some speculated he was less hurt and more interested in that new deal he just got, Hopkins himself publicly refuted that notion. He's expected to suit up and receive a full snap share on Sunday, and from a volume perspective, even if Hopkins is at or near 100%, fantasy gamers should just not expect the same level of volume in a Cardinals air raid offense that likes to spread the ball to its playmakers than Bill O'Brien's offense that fed him targets consistently. Traditionally in the air raid, the ball is spread among playmakers with less of a concern about run pass, excuse me, run pass splits, which is great for overall efficiency, but not as great for fantasy players who crave guaranteed volume for consistent fantasy football output. There's really almost no way that Hopkins will command the same 10.0 targets per game that we saw last season. Running back Kenyon Drake, himself traded to the Cardinals last season, looked like one of the best running backs in football down the stretch. He was a top 24 running back in six of eight starts as a Cardinal last season, including three games in the top three. In fact, Cardinals backs David Johnson, Chase Edmonds, and Drake combined for nine weeks in the top 12 for of fantasy finishes for running backs. If Drake can stay healthy, he should receive the requisite volume to be a top five back in fantasy every single week. If Murray's passing efficiency takes the next step and Drake's red zone touches increase, he was only 32nd last season, Drake could actually wind up being a fantasy league winner and great in DFS, and it could start right here in week one against a team that he gashed for an average of 121 total yards in two matchups last season. Edmonds will certainly spell Drake for about six to eight touches, including a few targets as well. On the San Francisco side, besides their inability to stop Drake and the Cardinals in two matchups last season, the 49ers were one of the top defensive units in the NFL a season ago. No surprise there. After ranking ninth and second in football outsiders rush DVOA and pass DVOA, respectively, San Francisco returns almost every key starter for a defensive unit that led to the precipice of a championship last season. DeForest Buckner, 
previously mentioned, will be tough to replace, but the team has sky-high hopes for 2020 first-rounder Javon Kinlaw, who will likely replace the whole field by Buckner. More likely than not, we will see a unit very closely resembling the 2019 squad, and not the one that seemed to not have an answer for Murray, Drake, and Kingsbury. Though all defenses seem to regress year to year, there's really no reason to bet against the 49ers' defense. The 49ers' lack of depth at the wide receiver position on offense, though, is something to look at. Even after drafting ASU's Brandon Ayuk in the first round, it's still a very weak unit in terms of available players. This deficiency was really exposed during the preseason when Debo Samuel went down with a Jones fracture, then Ayuk as previously mentioned, went down with a hamstring strain, and they lost Jalen Hurd for the season. Remarkably, Samuel appears on track to play, if not this week, soon, and the real problem is Jones fractures leading to a regression in productivity, or uh, we, we don't want to bet on this, but there is a refracture rate that we can't ignore. All of this adds up to George Kittle being the undisputed target leader in Garoppolo's receiving core. His 7.6 targets per game were good enough for fourth at the position a year ago, but with the receivers as banged up as they are, he could easily push for 9 to 12 targets this week. Beyond Kittle, let's look for Kyle Shanahan to get creative incorporating Jordan Reed, whom Shanahan coached in Washington, and Jordan Reed himself is a year removed from concussion-related injuries. Also watch out for Jarek McKinnon, signed in 2018 but yet to suit up for San Francisco. He's finally, knock on wood, healthy. And then Kendrick Bourne and backs Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman will certainly be involved in the passing game as well. In the running game, the best part of the San Francisco offense in 2019, that should remain the main focal point once again, led by the aforementioned Mostert and Coleman. I expect a 60-40 split with Jeff Wilson still possibly mixing in really disastrously for fantasy at the goal line they were 49 the 49ers were 30th in pace of play last season and so they really rely on the efficiency of their running game and chunk plays in their passing game so what really will be the coaching scheme of Shanahan and the continued accuracy of Garoppolo he was number three in true completion percentage via player profiler to keep the young Arizona defense off balance My prediction, 49ers 27, Cardinals 21. Alternative scenario, the Cardinals have the 49ers number. Straight from last year to this. Hopkins goes off in the first half and Drake goes off in the second. Cardinals 30, 49ers 21. And that's going to do it for week one, 2020. Thanks for sticking around. That's the whole main slate for this week. I'll be back next week with the Week 2 Matchups column. And again, you can catch me every Thursday at 11 a.m. with Dave Loughran on the Matchups YouTube show. My name is Matt Savoca at Draftaholic on Twitter. Catch you next time.